What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast, or if you're watching here on YouTube, uh, this is Just Another Critic, and today we're going to be talking about week two of college football, going over the top eight matchups of this week. Um, when I was looking at the schedule this week, there wasn't actually many big games as far as teams in the top 25. There's still a lot of top-ranked teams that are playing cupcakes this week. So, um, yeah, we're going to be going over the top eight that I believe are some of the big uh, matchups of this week and to keep an eye out for. Now, uh, getting into this week, I wanted to start off with Mississippi State and Kansas State. Now, if you've been following college football, you already know that Nick Fitzgerald is suspended for the first two games of the college football season. So he won't be playing in this game versus K-State. And when I was kind of looking at the uh, the game tape that Mississippi State uh, just played versus Stephen F. Austin, their backup quarterback, it touchdowns-wise, he had five TDs. But what a lot of people may have missed is that I believe his uh, completion percentage was 41%. I think it was about 13 attempts, uh, 31 attempts, 13 completions. Um, and that was against Stephen F. Austin. So obviously, K-State had a rough start as well versus South Dakota. Um, but they're definitely, it's unlikely that they're going to have two crappy games in a row, especially, um, you know, with, with the coach, Coach Snyder. Um, so coming into this game, a lot of people, I mean, just looking at the game for what it is, may think that Mississippi State's just going to run through K State. But if I had to say this would this would likely be my upset pick of the week, being K State. Um, but as far as you know, a score, a prediction, if uh, I were to say, I, I do think Mississippi State is the more talented team. They've certainly got a good defense to you know shut down just about everything K State can throw at them. But K State uh, defensively can certainly shut down this second-string QB. Um, thinking about this game, it could be really low scoring, uh, but if I did have to throw a score out there, my final score is Mississippi State 31, Kansas State 21. But like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas State came out on top um, and ended up winning this game. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and move up uh, move into the second matchup of the week, and I actually have Duke versus Northwestern. Now, this is actually one of – I actually love watching these types of teams play. Um, it's always just a battle, gritty, gritty battle to the end. Um, Northwestern obviously coming off a 10-3 and season. Duke always, you know, feisty and competitive enough to give you uh, a tough, you know, two to three quarters, but they they rarely can really pull out the W uh, in the ACC or typically when they go out of conference. Uh, but I do like Duke. They're always going to give you a run for your money. In this game, obviously Duke had a nice opener versus Army and then Northwestern. I think Northwestern is one of the more slept-on teams in the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten Conference. Like I mentioned, they went 10-3 and three last season. Um, just came off a win versus Purdue. And in this game, I think Northwestern, they've got the quarterback, uh, Thorson back. Um, they looked pretty good in Purdue early on, and they're, they're typically a pretty stout uh, defensively. 
And my final score for this prediction was actually 27 to 37. Northwestern takes the W. Duke 27, Northwestern 37. Um, I really like this matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's a closer game, um, you know, like a three-point game. And I could even see Duke pulling this game out. Um, even so, last year it was a really close game, came down to the wire. Um, but, yeah, with that being said, moving into the third matchup of the week, I have Nebraska Cornhuskers versus Colorado CU. Obviously, uh, Scott Frost just got to Nebraska, so a lot of people are excited to see um, to see what you can do with this program, if you can actually turn it around. Um, he's definitely got the offensive uh, mindset to – to have a powerhouse offensive team. Um, he typically likes to have a dual threat quarterback. I think that's why he went with the freshman, Adrian Martinez. And we didn't get a chance to see them last week. Obviously, that game was canceled or postponed. Um, so a lot of people are excited to see what Scott Frost can bring to the table this year. Obviously, they're not expecting him to do uh, anything crazy you know, or compete for the Big Ten. Um, but they're definitely expecting him to get some wins under his belt. They're going to be playing against, obviously, a really good Colorado team. They've got, uh, I believe his name is Steven Montez at the quarterback position for Colorado. It looked really good in the opener versus Colorado State. Obviously, we've got the final score there, which was 45-13. to 13. Um, And they have a big play wide receiver. I didn't get his name, but he's actually number two for the University of Colorado. Looked really good, made a lot of big plays. Um, and I'm expecting him to go off. I have Colorado winning this game. And let's see what my final score was. It was actually 42 to 24. I've got Colorado beating Nebraska. And uh, something to keep in mind is that Nebraska hasn't necessarily had the best defense uh, throughout you know the past few years. Even Scott Frost at UCF hasn't necessarily had uh, the best defense. They gave up a lot of points um, and typically outscored their opponents. So... In this game, I don't think they're where they're at. Where I don't think Nebraska is offensively where they need to be at in order to accomplish what Scott Frost is trying to get done just yet. I'm sure maybe midway through three quarters of the season they'll start uh, firing on all cylinders. But at this point, um, I went ahead and took Colorado 42 to 24 over Nebraska, and it's just I just can't see Nebraska uh, pulling this one out. Uh, just because they actually gave up 50 points in their last three games of the season last year. 50 points. So um, coming into this game, like I mentioned, Colorado go ahead goes ahead and takes it. Moving into our next matchup, we have Penn State and Pitt. Now there's definitely a lot of question marks surrounding Penn State um, with, you know, not, not necessarily Trace McSorley. He's a playmaker. A lot of people have him as a Heisman candidate. But losing Saquon Barkley, uh, Gesicki at the tight end position, two of their biggest impact players from last season. And then we kind of saw, you know, how big of an impact that was in, in that Appalachia State game. Obviously went down to OT. Uh, Appalachia State almost pulled it out. And giving up 38 points to, uh, you know, given an, an Appalachia State always comes prepared and they're always ready to pull an upset. So we're going we're gonna to get more of our questions answered 
in this next game versus Pitt? Was it just kind of a, a game where they're, they're still figuring things out? Um, but with Penn State, Trace McSorley, he's just a really – he's a hard guy to beat. That guy competes to the last second of every game, as you saw uh, multiple times last year, especially in that Iowa game, winning it on the last drive of the game. Um, coming into this game versus Pitt, I think they're going to be looking to sharpen things up, make a statement. Franklin probably ripped them a new one after that game versus Appalachian State. Um, and coming into this game, I have Penn State going ahead and um, winning this game comfortably versus Pitt. 38 to 20. I know a few of you guys are thinking Pitt, you know, may pull a, pull the upset again uh, as they did a few years ago, but I think Penn State's going to go ahead and take this game and win comfortably uh, versus Pitt, 38 to 20. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on to the fifth matchup of the week, and we have the USC Trojans versus Stanford Cardinal. Now, this game. Obviously, Pac-12, these are typically the two uh, two of the best teams in the Pac-12. And, man, I know USC, they, they obviously won the last two matchups uh, versus Stanford, uh, both last season. One, one in the regular season game, and I think it was uh, part of the conference championship or division championship. And now coming into this season – USC lost Sam Darnold. They've got a freshman quarterback, JT Daniels, um, but a solid freshman wide receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, as you know, they both played at modern day, so they've definitely got some chemistry there. But coming into this game, I think Stanford is just – they're just going to be too much. I think uh, Bryce Love is going to go ahead and get his running game going. Um, as we saw, Whiteside looked pretty solid in the opener versus San Diego State. Um, and the Stanford defense, I think, is actually better than most people give them credit. Um, but obviously, you've got USC. They've got the talent to, you know, compete and really win every game comfortably. They just haven't been able to put it together just yet. And looking at their first performance, um, you know, versus UNLV, UNLV is just a poor team, a, a really poor team. And, and I expected USC to um, not only not allow it, 21 points given 21 points isn't a crazy amount but with USC's defense they're returning uh, starters um, and some of the vets they have on that defense I just didn't see them giving 21 points up uh, to this UNLV team and then they had a really slow start eventually got it going and then won the game pretty comfortably but coming into the Stanford game Stanford I think is gonna you know key in on JT Daniels, uh, put some pressure on him, force him to get the ball out early, um, and I think at the end of the day, Stanford's just gonna come in with a better game plan, more experience, and get the W. I actually have the final score here: Stanford thirty-one, USC seventeen. Now, with that being said, a lot of people are oof, a lot of people are hyped up on on USC JT Daniels because of his potential and I wouldn't be surprised if you know he he turns into a wonder kid and, and pulls something out of his you know what and ends up getting the W but you know based on what I've seen I've got to go with Stanford there's just more experience Bryce Love um, a decent passing game but if they can shut down Whiteside and make Stanford one-dimensional um, and force Bryce Love to carry the load it may be a closer game than expected 
But like I mentioned, I've got Stanford final score 31, USC 17. Moving on to the next matchup, we have Michigan State and Arizona State. Obviously, we've got Herm Edwards, who just took over the program at Arizona State. Michigan State coming off of a rough win over Utah State, given Utah State actually looked really good offensively and had their moments defensively. So I'm kind of questioning whether or not Utah State is actually a a pretty good team coming into this year. But with that being said, Michigan State, still a lot of questions to be answered. They've they've got the most returning starters coming into the FBS this year, I believe. Um, it was about nine on each side of the ball almost. But with that being said, I mean, 31 points given up to a Utah State team um, with all that experience and then a slow start on offense, but eventually pulled out the, the close win at the end. Uh, you had Bocce go ahead and uh, come up with that game-winning interception. And then we have Arizona State. Just not too sure if they're the real deal just yet. So I think this is really going to be a good test for both teams coming into this week, uh, getting a better look at Arizona State. Uh, you know, was was this Herm Edwards? Obviously, Herm Edwards. We're gonna we're gonna have to give him more than one season to, you know, grade his grade his actual coaching performance. But um, definitely a nice start for Arizona State, forty nine to seven versus uh, San Antonio. Um, But with that being said, like I mentioned, we've got question marks for both teams coming into this game. Is Michigan State the real deal? Was last year, you know, kind of a fluke? Because before last year, the year before, they had a really poor season, a losing season. Um, But, yeah, I'm excited to see both of these teams on the field. Michigan State, um, they've really really got to go out there and prove themselves uh, because a lot of people – are uh, over overreacting not only to Michigan State but as well as Penn State. We all already covered that, um, but yeah, Michigan State. My final prediction was Michigan State forty-five, and I've got Arizona State thirty-four. Um, I just think Michigan State's defense is still going to have some struggles coming into this game. Uh, could possibly be uh, a high-scoring battle all the way down to the end. You know, type those type of games where we've got the last team to possess the ball against the win. It's, it's, it's certainly could come to that just like this Utah state game. Um, But I went ahead and took Michigan state 45 to 34 over Arizona state. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if Michigan state goes in there and blows them out either. So with that being said, uh, yeah, I think we'll go ahead and move on to the next matchup. Uh, As you know, This is probably one of the bigger matchups of the week besides the USC and Stanford game. We've got Clemson and Texas A&M. Now, coming into this game, my biggest thing with Clemson is just what's going on with them offensively. They just, they seem to always start slow in almost every game. And Kelly Bryant, I just, I just, I don't know, man. Kelly Bryant, I'm just not, I just don't see it with him. Trevor Lawrence, I think Trevor Lawrence is eventually going to take the starting position, possibly midway through the season or even three quarters of the season. He's going to take that starting position. Um, He's just more efficient. He can do more. He's definitely not as athletic as Kelly Bryant. Um, But I think he provides a better dynamic for the Clemson offense. 
And then obviously we've got Jimbo Fisher over at Texas A&M. He's certainly had the chance to play against this, you know, this Clemson team, uh, not necessarily this team, uh, but, but Dabo Sweeney multiple times when he was coaching at FSU. So I'm sure he does have, you know, some familiarity with playing against Dabo, Dabo Sweeney's schemes and, and what type of things he likes to run. Um, but coming into this game, I believe Clemson's defense is just going to be too much. Uh, obviously, that front four is just fatal. It's fatal. Um, they they really don't give up much. But like I said, the only thing I, that I'm worried about coming into this game is Clemson offensively. Other than that, the defense should uh, shut down Texas A&M pretty comfortably. Now, my final score coming into this game is actually – 37 to 13. I don't think Texas A&M is going to be able to get much going. Um, quarterback's probably not going to have much time. And even if they try to get that running game going, it's going to get blown up. So I, I just don't think Texas A&M has a chance coming into this game just because of how ridiculous that Clemson defensive line is. Like I mentioned, final score Clemson, 37, Texas A&M, 13. With that, with that being said, we're going to move into the last matchup of the week, and that is Georgia versus South Carolina. Big, big matchup in the big, uh, I almost said the Big Ten, but it's actually the SEC. And Georgia, obviously, this matchup last year um, was 24 to 10, and Georgia pulled it out by two touchdowns. Obviously, they had a freshman quarterback in Jake Fromm, and they were still figuring things out. Now, with that being said, coming into this game, um, Georgia's got Fromm again, as well as Fields, if they need him. Um, but I think this is going to be one of the, the better matchups of the week. This is probably the biggest game of the week with the most consequences, for lack of better terms. Um, and both teams have question marks coming into this game. Now, we've obviously got Muschamp over at South Carolina and Kirby at Georgia. And he's done a phenomenal job turning the program around. And as you can see, he's starting to pull in those recruits. Um, so if not this year, throughout the next, you know, five to ten years, if Kirby stays there that long, Georgia's going to become one of the top three teams for the next decade. And they're just going to be ridiculous, ridiculous with talent. Uh, but with that being said, um, this has the possibility of being a really close game a low scoring game, but my final score is actually, I have Georgia winning it 41 to 21. I think DeAndre Swift's going to have a breakout game. Uh, Jake Fromm has been efficient. He's grown. And I think he's just, he's just continued to grow is what I'm trying to say. He's gotten better and better um, throughout this off season. And the, the talent at Georgia is just getting better as well. Um, Georgia's got a pretty decent O-line. And South Carolina, they do have some offensive weapons. Uh, but, man, Georgia's just going to be too much. I've got them, like I mentioned, 41-221. Georgia wins it. Um, but with that being said, I actually have a few more games to go over. And it's actually just some honorable mention games um, that will be fun to watch. We've got UCLA Bruins as well as the Oklahoma Sooners. They're going ahead in a matchup. Um, I'm excited to see if, you know, what type of adjustments Chip Kelly is going to make coming into week two. And then I just, I just want to con 
I want to continue to see more of Kyler Murray. Um, he's obviously a talented guy, dual threat guy. He's a playmaker. Um, and then we've obviously got, they've got Rodney in the backfield. I do have him as a, you know, a Heisman candidate slowly sneaking into the race. Um, but it's, it's going to be scary because UCLA has the possibility of getting blown out in this one, just annihilated. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I don't necessarily have predictions for this one, uh, for these games. Oklahoma should take this game pretty comfortably. Um, Oklahoma with the W, no issues. But I, I just want to see what type of adjustments uh, Chip Kelly goes ahead and makes because I know he has DTR in the backfield and Spates is somewhat injured, supposedly. So um excited to watch that game wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a high scoring game i'm still not too sure if that oklahoma defense is legit um and it's we're we're just going to continue to see if that's the case as the season goes on uh with that being said moving on to the florida and kentucky game florida's obviously uh they always have the talent and defensively they've had the recruits it's just been obviously a matter of coaching. And they've got Dan, uh, Dan Mullen there. And obviously they destroyed uh, in their week one opener. So I'm just I'm just excited to see what he's been able to put together and uh, what type of numbers we're going to be able to see from him uh, and, and his team in this uh, week two FBS matchup. So I do have Florida winning this game. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's a close one with Kentucky because of the growing pains that you're going to go through with a new head coach. And then the last game of my honorable mention list is Iowa versus Iowa State. Obviously, rivalry games are always fun to watch. Iowa Big Ten, you know, Iowa State, Big 12, both teams, very gritty teams, always play to the end, always play hard. Um, I think this will be a fun game to watch. And I think it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, but I do have Iowa winning it by a very close margin. But with that being said, guys, those are my uh, top eight matchups for the week, as well as the honorable mentions we just went over. Um, definitely appreciate you guys sticking around to the end if you are still here. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, I appreciate the support. Um, if you guys have a few matchups that I missed, or you have your own opinions, just drop them in the comments or connect with me on Twitter at Just Another Critic. Uh, with that being said, like I mentioned, if you agree with me, great. If you don't, awesome. Uh, I'm just another critic, just another guy I watch who loves watching the game. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, appreciate your time. Have a great rest of your day. Peace.